Welcome to Gateway's Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Good morning, guys. So good to see all of you this beautifully cold morning as we are celebrating leaving summer yesterday and going into winter today. Um, Super excited about that. Don and Tag are actually overseas. They've been overseas this past week. They are training new believers who are going to be uh, really becoming pastors as they're going to be hosting uh, churches within their homes um, in their towns. And so they're over there. Don actually preached this morning, um, and they'll be back on their way, I think, tomorrow. And so he asked me if I would continue the series that we've been going through. He started last week um, walking through 2 Timothy, and so he walked through 2 Timothy chapter one. And so today we're going into, you guessed it, chapter two, right? So as you're making your way there, if you've got your Bible, you can start turning to 2 Timothy chapter two. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screens or you can go, hey Siri. Okay, I was just wondering if it would work. I don't know. Open up the Bible app, right? So to 2 Timothy. But uh, as you're making your way there, uh, my wife and I, a couple weeks ago, we noticed that in our shower, in our master bathroom, that one of the corners was starting to sink. Um, I don't know if you know much about showers, but they're not supposed to sink in your house. Um, That's not good. And so as we started kind of digging into that, we realized that um, it had been leaking for years and that the wood underneath had turned to mush um, and that it was going to have to be replaced. And so we thought, well, we're living in an older home anyway. It's probably time to update the bathroom. And so we just started ripping all of that out. Um, And if you've ever been a part of a remodeling, updating, even a painting project, you know that there is a line that you cross in every project where you have this sobering realization, and it's this. I am too far to turn back now, but the end seems a long ways off. And if you want to know if you've reached that point yet, when your toilet's on your back porch, you've crossed the line, okay? (laughs) And so right now we have three options, basically, of what we can do. Number one, we can just quit and sell our house as is. Um, We can call on the professionals. Or we can persevere. Um, And for today, that's what we're choosing. We're choosing to persevere and just push on through it and to learn through this process. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. But I share that with you because as we're looking at 2 Timothy, it really is this theme of, of Paul communicating to Timothy perseverance. And so as we're kind of diving into this, we need to understand a little bit of the context of of where we're going and and kind of what's happening here in this letter. And so um, it is Paul who is writing this letter to Timothy. Um, And so we need to understand a little bit about Timothy. Timothy, we know that Timothy grew up in a a home uh, full of people who loved Jesus. Both his mother and his grandmother um, were followers of Jesus, and we know that he was raised in that environment. We know that Timothy himself made a decision to follow Jesus and that even though he was young, um, that he was making huge strides and just huge accomplishments for the sake of the church and that many of the other believers recommended him as a church leader to Paul. and like, hey, you need to take this guy under your wing because he's doing some great stuff. We also know that Timothy suffered a little bit from depression, that he was easily discouraged, um, and that he also had some sort of some physical ailments that he struggled with while he was pastoring there. And so that's a little bit about Timothy. Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus, and so the city of Ephesus, some of the things we know about Ephesus, we know that it had one of the largest idols, um, statues that they had built up into this Greek goddess Artemis, 
Um, she had many claims, but one of those was just to follow your own sexual instinct, and so promoted a lot of sexual immorality in Ephesus as many people worshipped this Greek goddess. And, and we even know from Acts that um, there was a riot that formed around Paul um, as he was beginning to share the gospel and sharing who Jesus was, that more and more people quit um, worshipping this idol and started worshipping Jesus. And so the people who were making money off of that got really angry at Paul. And so we know Ephesus was probably not the easiest place to be a follower of Jesus. And then Paul, who wrote the letter to Timothy, um, we know that Paul is, is in prison at the time that he's writing this letter. And we also know that Paul is coming to the realization that he is nearing the end of his life here on earth. Um, and as that's kind of taken place, we also know that so many of, of Paul's just um, fellow workers and, and people who were, were following after Jesus had abandoned him um, and had left him alone and many of them were even ashamed of him as he was in prison for the sake of the gospel and it would have been really really easy for Paul to be incredibly discouraged for Paul to be incredibly depressed at this moment as he's nearing the end of his life he's stuck in prison he's worried about Timothy and just wants to be there with him he wants to continue serving God and and nobody would have blamed him if he had just kind of taken a moment for himself I mean at this point Paul's done a lot but even then Paul's concern is not for himself it's for the sake of the church for Timothy because he cares so deeply about Timothy. And so kind of knowing that, I want to go ahead and dive into verse 1. So 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Now I want to focus on something quickly. It's my dear son. Now we know that, that Paul is not Timothy's biological father, but rather what Paul is referencing is that Paul was the one that was there to share with Timothy what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus and was there with him when Timothy made that decision to follow Jesus. So he's talking about being more of that spiritual father figure in Timothy's life. And you get this picture of Paul being in prison, feeling a little bit helpless, and just desperately wanting to encourage Timothy. He cares about Timothy so much. He cares about the, the church continuing to move forward, but he just also really, really cares about Timothy. He's been mentoring him, and he, they have this incredible relationship, and he just wants him to succeed, and there's just this desperation that he has for wanting to see Timothy succeed. Again, for the sake of the church, but, but again, because he just loves Timothy so much. And he's just kind of thinking through and trying to figure out, you know, what do I need to tell him? And so 2 Timothy is really is, is less a letter about like, here's what you need to be doing, here's kind of how the church works, and it's more kind of this feeling of a parent trying to impart any last bits of wisdom that they have to their child so that they can be ready to succeed when they're gone. And so you're kind of just all over the place as you're kind of walking through 2 Timothy because he's just trying to get everything out that he needs to communicate to him. And, you know, I, I think probably one of the things that has to be going through Paul's mind is, did I share everything that he needs to know? Did I get him ready? Is he, is he equipped to do this on his own? Did I, did I live a good life? Did I, was I a great example for him? Because I think if any of you know this, it's that children imitate their parents. Whether it's the good stuff that you're really proud of, or whether it's the thing that your spouse is incredibly embarrassed about you, right? Our children, your children, pick these things up. As I was growing up, my dad is a pastor, and uh, he would every once in a while take me um, when he would go to do hospital visits. And he would always say this phrase when he walked into a hospital room, and it always drove me insane that he would say it. And he would walk into the hospital room and be like, hey, how are we doing? And I'm like, no, how are you doing, right? Like it has nothing to do, you're not there about you, like you're fine, 
they're the one in the hospital. It's not how are we doing, it's how are you doing. And he would just smile and just kind of giggle and do the same thing next time, right? And I'm like, Dad, what you, it's so embarrassing that you say that. And then when I moved here, we take turns as, as pastors on staff, um, getting to visit people in the hospital. And without even thinking about it, when I walked into the hospital room for the first time here, hey, how we doing? And it literally just like, you just smile a little bit because you're like, well, shoot, you know, like I am my father's child, right? There's just nothing I can do about it. It just happens. Children imitate their parents. What is it that you're communicating to your children by your actions? Like, what are you teaching your children? What are they learning from watching you? Not just what you're saying, but what you're doing. And then we like to say, you know, do as I do as I say, not as I do. But we know that we learn so much more by watching than we do just by hearing. Now, as we're talking about children this morning, you may be like tempted to go, well, I don't have any children or, you know, I'm not to that place yet or I'm done with that yet. If you're alive, you're somebody's child. Okay, and so as we're talking about children, we're talking about whether it's your children, your grandchildren, people who are related to you, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. It's this idea of mentorship towards anyone who is younger than you. Anybody that you can invest in, even if they're a year, six months younger than you or whatever, even if they're a little bit older than you and you're still mentoring them, right? It's this idea of mentorship. So don't write all this off. You're like, whew, this one's not for me. Oh, yes, buddy, it is, right? And so even though you may not be responsible for training up pastors or, or leading to the church, if you are a parent or if you're a follower of Jesus, you are responsible for training up your children or for training up the next generation to be able to follow Jesus. And I mean, man, there's so many opportunities for you to be able to do this. We have Gateway Kids um, that are meeting over there. We have, we have students. Um, we're always needing more volunteers who are passionate about seeing our students grow in the relationship with Jesus. Like, there's so many different opportunities for us and for you to be able to pouring into and mentoring someone else. And so maybe it's one of those things that you need to start thinking about, volunteering or something. Or maybe you need to have the conversation that my wife had with me about five or six years ago is this. Came home from work and she said, hey, we need to talk, which is never a great way to start something because you're like, what did I do? Like, I don't remember, I remember doing anything. I don't remember anything going on that I'm like, you know, you're racking your brain, just trying to figure it out. She goes, hey, have I, as I've been spending time with God, I really feel like we're supposed to become foster parents. And I was like, to, to kids, like to little people, like you're, you're like, you know, we don't have kids, like we have no experience in this. She's like, yeah, I know, but, but I really just feel like this is what we're supposed to do. And I'm like, I, I don't even know how to change a diaper. Like, how do you expect us to like keep kids alive? Like, I mean, I'm not even sure that that's possible for us to do. And she's like, I know, but this is what God's been telling me. And so I just want you to, to pray about it. Um, and it's funny that, you know, when God speaks to one of, one of you, he usually gives the same answer to the, to the other spouse. And so I'm like, hey, I think you're right. Um, and as it is National Orphan Day, I just kind of want us to be thinking about this because for us, it was probably the hardest thing we've ever done in our life going from, from no kids to we had a two-year-old and a three-year-old for a little over half a year. Um, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. And it was also one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, it, it's just crazy. I've learned more about my relationship with God through that time as we were there for those two kids that we loved as our own. Um, and we were getting to the point ready to adopt them. Um, and then it turned out that uh, there was a good situation for them to be able to go back home with their dad, which is great. You're supposed to be happy, but it was literally just taking our heart and just ripping it in two um, as we were kind of getting prepared for that. And that was really the tough part is to pour all that love into it. And then you're like, no, don't leave. Um, but we're able to have a good relationship with, 
with their parents um, and to encourage them. And because those two kids went to church with us all the time, they loved church. Like they were like, mom, dad, we, we're going, like we want to go to church, even as two, two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Um, and so their parents got involved in church and, and fell in love with it, got plugged into a great community. And then he became a volunteer in, their, in the student ministry there. And um, we got to impact not only those kids, but also um, their whole family. And we may never get to see the entire impact that we have just from being faithful to God. Because listen, it's not about anything that we did. It was just responding to God's call in that moment of, hey, this is what I want you to do. And maybe for you, you know, it's not that you're supposed to be a foster parent or you're supposed to adopt. Maybe it is that you're supposed to start praying. And you're supposed to start praying for people to, who are, that God is calling to do that. Or maybe it's that you're able to give. You're able to support financially or with your time. Maybe it's volunteering. I mean, our social workers here are overworked and underpaid. So maybe you start ministering to them um, and just being able to, to encourage them as they're doing this difficult task day in and day out, being there for them. I'm not saying any of this thing is for you, but what I am asking you is this, is are you willing to do whatever God has asked you to do? Whatever God's calling you to do, are you willing to do whatever that is? Because here's the thing, you can make all the money that you want, you can achieve every goal you've ever had, and you're only one generation away from being forgotten. Because here's the deal, a lasting legacy is more about who than it is about you. It has so little to do with your achievements and the things that you can accomplish and so much more about being intentional and investing in the next generation. Because you're one relationship away from leaving a lasting legacy. One relationship away. One time of being intentional about mentoring somebody in your life and helping them to be able to grow in their relationship with Jesus or to discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You're one relationship away because the lasting legacy is so much more about who than it is about you. And here's the thing. People care way more about what you do than what you say. There's a, 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 a child psychologist who studies emotional health in children. Her name is Sue Gearhart. And she says this in her book. She says, a child's brain is built up through actual experiences. What you put in is more or less what you get out. So what are you showing the people that God has entrusted you with? What are they learning from watching you? And listen, you don't have to sit down and teach them just deep theological truths. You can do just things like, hey, share with them what it is you're praying about. Share with them what it is that you're learning as you're, as you're growing in your walk with Jesus. Be, be praying for them. Be diligent in having a, a time with Jesus every day so that the, from the overflow of your own life, you can pour into them. Or maybe even uh, let them see you serving other people. Whatever it is, be consistent in that so they can see that. Now, being consistent doesn't mean that you've got to be perfect, but it does mean that you are consistent with that. But listen, we're all one relationship away from impacting someone, one relationship away from leaving a lasting legacy because a lasting legacy is more about who than it is about you. We're going to continue on in verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. And this is our second point. You're one response away from God's power. Just one response away from being able to experience God's power. Paul's telling Timothy, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Now, you may have read that, and you instantly understand everything that's going on, and you're like, oh, yes, Paul, that's amazing. Or maybe you were like me, and you're like, yeah, 
what does that mean? What does it mean to be strong in the grace through Christ? Like, what, what on earth does that actually mean? Like, explain it to me. It's like when you're in, like, middle school, and they're, like, asking you for the definition of a word, and you use the word in your definition, right? And they're like, yeah, I can't do that. And you're like, okay, well, I don't really know what it means, right? So I was kind of wrestling with this. I'm like, how am I going to explain this? So I just started, like, digging through it. And maybe you don't need this, but I did, so I'm going to share it with you, right? So if you start kind of breaking this apart, the, the Greek word that's translated for be strong literally means to be strengthened inwardly, to be strengthened inwardly. And then grace, obviously, is an undeserved gift of help that comes from God. So to be strengthened inwardly from an undeserved gift of help that comes from God. And I was trying to think about like really what that means. And I uh, remembered my wife told me a story about her when she was, was growing up. She was in middle school. It was her and her mom. And they lived in the mountains, in the woods, huge yard. And her mom was like, hey, we need to get all the leaves up. And so they went outside, starting to rake up all the leaves. If you know what this is like, you have a big yard, lots of trees. Like it's a never ending task. And then when about the time you get done, more leaves fall and it looks like you can't even tell what just happened, right? And so she's like, we were out there, we were raking up the leaves, and it just felt meaningless and pointless and just overwhelming. It's like, there's no way we're ever going to get all this done. There's no way that we're going to be able to get everything up. Like, this is just overwhelming. And she said about the time she was just ready to be like, Mom, this is pointless. Like, we're never going to be able to do this by ourselves. Off in the distance, she heard the roar of a Troy-built lawnmower and a strikingly handsome young man on that mower who had a trailer with his little brother in the back for help, coming down the road to help them rake up all the leaves. And she said at that moment, it was just like, we're not alone. And of course, I am a strikingly handsome young man, right? I mean, it paid off, okay. But as we were coming down that road, she was like, it was just this sense of relief. And when you start to feel overwhelmed in life, when you start to feel beat down, like you can't go another day, like it's just overwhelming and this is just something you can't make it through, you are one response away from God's power because God is never going to force himself on you, but he's absolutely right there waiting for you to be able to experience his power if you're willing to ask him. That's what he's telling Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, listen, be strong the grace that we get in Christ Jesus. You have access to a power that is amazing if you'll only ask. And I think this is, this is just crazy. And sometimes we just kind of run over this because we just get so familiar with it. But, but if you stop and just think for a second, the creator of our universe wants to be intimately invested in your life. And if you stop to just consider that, if God did not want to be found by us, he would not be found. And this is one of the biggest differences between Christianity and so many other religions is that so many other religions are using rules and regulations trying to be able to discover who God is. And yet our God, the one true God, revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. He says, I don't want you to have to search and and try to to find me. I'm going to reveal myself to you because I want to be involved in your life personally. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal that God cares that much about us. And I think as Paul's writing this to Timothy, Paul understands what it means to draw from God's power probably more than any of us. And I mean, even as you just look through scripture, Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10 says, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Philippians 4, 13 says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
And then 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, you are going to encounter situations. You are going to be put into circumstances that you do not want to be in. And you may cry out to God and say, get me out of this situation. And sometimes God will do exactly that. He will deliver you from whatever it is that you're going through. It may be then, it may be in his own timing, but there are also going to be times when you're going to cry out to God to ask you to get you out of some situation that you're in, something that you're going through, and it's going to feel like he's not listening. And it may even feel like he doesn't even care. And why? Why does he do that? Because there are times when God wants to move us from just what we know about him being theoretical to actually knowing God. Because there's a difference from just knowing about God and knowing about his grace and his love and his power and his peace that can sustain us and actually knowing God. And as long as as all we know about God is theoretical and we've never actually experienced it, then we can't really begin to understand and know God. So there are times where he's going to leave us right where we're at because he wants to move us from knowing just about God to actually knowing God. And Paul says, listen, listen to me. I mean, I begged God to take it away three different times, just in case he didn't hear me on the first time, just in case he didn't understand me on the third time. One more time, God, take this away from me. And yet he didn't. And yet Paul grew in his relationship with God and he grew in his faith and his ability to trust and to experience God's power firsthand. Sometimes that's what God wants to move us to is just from simply knowing about God to knowing God. You are one response away from being able to experience God's power. And so this is not something that I can tell you once or that you can hear once and just go, (laughs) got it now, perfect. Next time I'm struggling through something, just remember to be strong in God's grace, right? No, Paul tells Timothy 25 times to be strong. This is something we need to be reminded of. This is something we need people around us who can go, hey, I know you're going through a really tough time. God's grace can sustain you. And I think this happens best in small groups. When people are around us who know what's going on in our lives, who know when when we're different, and they can look at us and go, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening in your life? Hey, can I be praying for you? Just this past week, my wife and I lead a, a young married small group and. I was talking to one of the guys as we were kind of wrapping up, and, and he said something. I don't even think you realized how profound what it was that he said, but he said, you know, I'm starting to figure out that real ministry, like you're willing to do ministry when you can do it without anybody else around you, without any friends. I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, that's so right, though, because like it's one thing to do church. It's one thing to, to believe and to, to be vocal about your faith when you're surrounded by people who are like-minded, It's a totally other thing when you're in the office, you're in the gym and and whatever, wherever you may be, but you're not surrounded by people who are also followers of Jesus. And when you're willing to draw on God's power at those moments, that's when it's like, yo, I need God's power. We took a group uh, of students to Costa Rica this past summer, and uh, and one of the the girls that went is a Spanish-speaking student, so she's fluent in Spanish and terrified to talk about her faith. 
And so we worked on it. We prepared beforehand. And she goes, hey, Brandon, I, I want to go. I'm not, I'm not talking, though. I'm like, that's fine. That's, that's okay. Like, listen, we're never going to force you to do anything. But if you want to, we're here for you. Um, and so in the afternoons, we would go door to doors in the little towns and, and share the gospel. And so for a little while, it was me and the translator. And, you know, we were kind of struggling through this whole thing together, right? Because it's, you know, just working through that. Um, we were talking to this lady about three or four houses into it. And as we were talking to her, she started talking about her background. And the girl who was terrified to death to share her story had a very similar background as this lady as she was sharing with us. And as I was talking, she interrupted me. The student who was terrified to talk interrupted me and just started taking off in Spanish. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but it feels like it's right. All right. So I just started backing up and she was just going and just sharing. And you saw a difference in that woman's eyes as she began to listen to someone share their story in her own language. And her eyes just began to light up as she was hearing from someone else about what Jesus had been doing in their life. And it was just, it was incredible. And as we walked away, I was like, okay, first, rude, right? Interrupt. I'm just kidding, no. I'm like, what happened? I mean, all the, you're like terrified, hiding behind trees and, and you know, dogs in the, in the road. And all of a sudden you're just sharing your faith. She's like, I don't know, something just came over me. And I'm like, no, it was not something. It was someone. The Holy Spirit. We are one response away from experiencing God's power. And listen, when you do this, when you're willing to draw on God's power, when you are willing to say, yes, Jesus, you're also one response away from someone experiencing Jesus. For her, when she was faithful in sharing her story, someone else got to hear about the story of Jesus. And guess what? That is huge. But even though we have access to God's power, it's up to us to respond and to ask God for his power. Matter of fact, more times than not, we may be like the individual in this video that I want you to see real quick. You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Worry about yourself. <laughs> Worry about yourself. <laughs> I do this one, so I'm going to do that. You drive! <laughs> Worry about yourself. Go drive! <laughs> <laughs> That little video gets me every single time, right? But it's kind of a sobering reminder of how we treat God sometimes. He's like, hey, I can help you with that. You're like, no, no, thank you, right, you know? And the whole time he's going, but, but I have the ability to help you with this. And No, what about yourself? <laughs> Just, that's what we're doing. And God's like, no, I want, I want you to be able to have the power to sustain you through this. And we're very sweet about it, but we're just like, we've got this. We're, we're in control and God's going, but you don't have to do this alone. You don't have to be in this fight alone. You have access to my power. If you have called me and made that decision to follow me, you are my children and I care about you and I want you to have the power that you need to sustain you through this. We're one response away from experiencing God's power and when we're faithful in that, we're one response away from someone experiencing Jesus. We gotta keep going. Verse two. It says, you have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, Paul's speaking to Timothy here specifically about uh, him as being a church leader and training the people into his church to carry out the gospel. But listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the same responsibility that we are supposed to be sharing with others who Jesus is and what he has done in our life with anybody that we come into contact with. 
with anybody that's around us, with anybody that we know. I've heard, uh, I didn't come up with this, I've heard it from other places, but, but uh, there's a saying that some churches will say that, you know, who's close to you that's far from God? Somebody that you already have a relationship with who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, how can you be there for them and share with them what God is doing in your life? Now, unfortunately, a lot of times our typical response is when it comes to sharing Jesus or talking about Jesus, it's going to be a little bit weird. And sometimes it is. But here's the great thing. It doesn't have to be. Like, when you start talking about your faith, it doesn't have to be deep theological principles that you're talking about. I mean, again, it's just sharing what's going on in your life. We had a student who, uh, she was in high school a couple of years ago, um, made a decision to follow Jesus, was, was led to Jesus by one of our other students, and had the privilege of her being baptized here at Gateway, and she's in college now. And just a couple of weeks ago, she texted me and said, hey, I've got some really exciting news. Um, she had connected with one of her friends from high school, and as they were eating dinner together and just kind of catching up, the girl began sharing with her of just like what was going on in her life and how she just felt like she was out of control. She's like, I just, just college is hard and I just don't feel like I've got a, a handle on things. And I, for me, like security just comes from knowing that I'm in control of everything that's going on. And our student was just sitting there and she goes, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to share your story. Like this is exactly what you struggle with. Like you need to share your story. And she was like, I can't do it, right? I mean, like it's scary. You know, we're in a restaurant. Like what happened? Ah! And so she struggled with it for a little bit. And she's like, you know what? I'm gonna be faithful. And she started to share her story with this girl. And, and it continued on. They talked for over three hours together and was just able to share what God had done in her life and how he had moved her from one place to another and, and just being able to grow in her faith. And, and as she was getting done, she said both of them were in tears and it was a good thing, right? It was like there was a happy cry. I don't know, I don't understand girls, right? But the happy cries, right? And as that was going on, she said, her friend looked at her and goes, hey, I want the same kind of peace that you've got. And she was able to share the gospel with her because she was faithful. We're one response away from experiencing God's power and we're one response away from someone else being able to experience Christ. Are we gonna be faithful in that? And here, let me help you out just a little bit. In those moments when God asks us to be faithful and sharing our story and sharing who Jesus is and what he's done, it's not your responsibility to make sure that they make the decision to follow Jesus. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Your only responsibility is to be faithful in sharing. And I'm telling you, it's, it's crazy what God can do with them. We gotta keep moving. Verses three through seven. Paul says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying, and the Lord will help you understand all these things. And Paul's trying to set Timothy up for success. He's trying to, to help him understand, listen, persecution's coming, hardships are coming. Don't think it's a surprise. Don't let it surprise you. Expect it. It's going to happen. And then he gives him three illustrations that help him drive home this point. This is kind of the, we're starting to wrap up. But, but the soldier represents commitment. The soldier represents commitment. And so Paul wants to convey to Timothy the importance of knowing what you're about. Because if you don't know what you're about, someone or something else will decide that for you. And so we have to be intentional about what are we teaching the people around us is most important in our life. Parents, what are you showing your kids is most important for your family? If you're not sure, if you don't know what you think is most important, look at where most of your money and your time is going. And if you're still not sure, ask someone who knows you really well. If you're a parent, ask your kids, hey, what do you think is most important to our family? And if it's not where you want to be headed, then 
start heading that way. Secondly is this the athlete, and the athlete represents integrity. I've said it before, people care more about what we do than what we say. You know, if you ever heard the thing, or maybe even your parents, or maybe you have said this, do as I say, not as I do, right? I don't know where that came from, but it needs to go away, right? Because it doesn't work at all, right? I mean, people are watching what it is we're doing in big situations, in little situations, in good times, and in bad times. When I was in elementary school, my dad and I were, were headed somewhere. We were running late, as always. Couldn't stand it. We had to stop at a gas station. And the gas station attendant gave my dad change back. This is back in the day when people used cash. You know that paper stuff? You hand people and they hand you some back. Um, and so he handed him back $2 extra. And he didn't realize it until we were back in the truck, kind of headed on. He goes, oh, man, he, he gave me too much money back. And I was like, well, how much? He's like, $2. I'm like, okay, we, we've got to go. Like, two bucks is, is no big deal. Like, catch him next time. You know, like, just give it back later. And he's like, son, my integrity is worth more than $2. Amen. And we turned around and took it back, and we're late to wherever we were going. And I have remembered that to this day. People are watching what it is that you're doing. So how are you representing your integrity? Because you can say whatever you want, but if your actions don't line up with your words, it's not going to matter. And then lastly, the farmer represents diligence and patience. And diligent because it is way easier and way more natural to talk about what God is doing in your life if you are consistently spending time with him. When you're talking about what God's doing in your life and it's an overflow of what you're already learning, it's way more natural and way easier. And the farmer's also patient because when you invest in someone, you will rarely get to see the influence that you had in their life. It takes years. Sometimes you'll never know what sort of impact you may have had in someone else's life on this earth. But it's so important that we do this. And the farmer is diligent and patient. Verses 8 through 10, Paul continues on. Always remember that Jesus Christ... A descendant of King David was raised from the dead, and this is the good news that I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Jesus defeated death. Too often we can get caught up in spiritual principles and in deep things that we're trying to figure out. Maybe we don't completely understand and, and we let that start to derail us and, and we start doubting, well, hey, well this is not real. Is, is this right? And, uh, and Paul goes, hey, that, that's fine. It's okay to, to try and to investigate. It's, it's great actually to try and investigate and understand. But listen, if you start getting derailed, we follow Jesus because he came down to earth, walked on this earth as fully man, fully God. He died on a cross for our sins and then three days later, he rose from the dead. And that is why we serve. And it's for that reason that I'm willing to do whatever God calls me for the sake of the gospel. And then verses 11 through 13, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. Now, these verses were probably part of like a, a Christian saying or a worship song that Timothy would have been familiar with. And there's just something different about putting words to music to have such an impact on us. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but, but Jeff, our uh, Young Families and Children's Pastor, he and his team are writing songs each month. Yeah, writing songs each month that are communicating the biblical principles that they're teaching for that month to our kids over there. So that not only are they learning through spoken word and through the Bible, but they're also learning through song 
those biblical principles. I think that's absolutely incredible um, of what they're doing. And I think Paul understands more than anybody the importance of what worship can do and how it can realign and change our perspective. That even when our external circumstances might not be changing, of how when we worship and we put our focus on God, it can change our internal perspective. I mean, Paul and Silas, two guys sharing the gospel, beaten within an inch of their life, thrown into the deepest, darkest part of a jail, their hands and feet locked into chains, and it says about midnight, they started praying and worshiping loudly. I don't know about you, but a cold can pretty much take me out, right? I mean, like, I don't, I don't feel like doing anything really at that point. But they had been beaten, I mean, almost to the limit. And they're locked in, in the prison, their hands and their chains bound, hands and feet bound by chains. And yet they know the value of worship and how it can change your perspective on a situation. And if you know the story, you know that shortly after that, the, the jail shook violently. All the doors flew open. Which, yeah, you're like, it's an earthquake probably, right? But then all of the prisoners' chains fell off. And then even in that moment, when our first response is to get out, Paul's perspective was changed because of the worship. And when the jailer was about to commit suicide because he thought he had lost all of his prisoners, Paul and Silas were there to witness to him. And that man gave his life to Jesus. And then he took them to his house, and his whole family heard about what had happened and believed in who Jesus was. You're one response away from someone experiencing Jesus. So as we think about this, think about where you are right now. I don't know where you are in life. Maybe you feel like you're being chained down, whether it's work, stress, anxiety, school. You know what it is for you. You're one response away from experiencing God's power. And maybe that needs to be the step that you take this morning is is to take that step and going, God, I need your grace right now. I want to experience your power so that I can influence others. Or maybe you're, you've kind of worked through that and you're at the place where you're like, I need to be mentoring someone. And again, mentoring is you don't have to just sit down and talk through deep theological principles. It's when you do life with someone else and they begin to catch the things that you're doing, the way that you're living out your life as a follower of Jesus. So maybe that's where you need to be. Because remember, a lasting legacy is more about who than it is about you. And so whatever your step is today, what I love about each one of these is that God doesn't ask us to run an entire marathon in a day. He says take one step in the right direction. So whether your step is taking that next step and going, God, I need your power to sustain me. Life feels overwhelming right now. And if you can change my circumstances, that'd be great. But if not, I trust you to carry me through this. Or God, show me who it is that I need to be pouring my life into. Show me who I need to be sharing what, what you are doing in my life and w- with who that needs to be. Get, put a name on my heart. Maybe your step is you've made the decision to follow Jesus, but you've never followed him in baptism. And next Sunday is a great opportunity for you to do that. But whatever it is, as the band comes out now, I want you to be thinking about what is my next step. Whichever one of those things it is, take that next step. Because a lasting legacy is more about who than it is about you. You're one response away from experiencing God's power. And you're one response away from someone else getting to experience a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray.